Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scroll Podcast. I'm Giorgio Constandi and today we're talking with Hassan Kilani. Hassan is a Jordanian-Palestinian queer feminist writer and activist. Hassan completed his master's on transnational queer feminist politics at SOAS University of London. Ahead of this year's Eurovision Song Contest Grand Final, we're discussing Israel's participation in the contest and what it means for the Palestinian queer community. Hassan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for hosting me. I wanted to start off by asking you about your own journey with Eurovision. Um, do you remember when you first started becoming interested in the context? In the contest. So, I cannot really remember a specific time when I was super, like you know, super invested uh, in it. But it is definitely uh, from the high school time. Um, this in high school time when actually when I start to be more open with my sexuality and when I start to realize that you know hanging out with with, with the classmates who kind of identify with similar you know with similar interests and um, it was I think brought one brought one from you know one from my classmates and I was just super you know obsessed with it after you know I knew that it's actually multiple countries, each one representing their own culture or their own language or something specific about them in the show. And I don't know, like it felt like, I don't know, I love, I love geography, I love cultures, I love pop culture. So it's like a mix of everything together. So I think since I was in high school, I was more like the interest started. Why do you think that spaces like the one created by Eurovision are so important for queer people? I think the association with, like, I don't know, like the queer culture with the the pop culture, there is some kind of association, like, in... In, 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 in my own understanding, and that doesn't mean and by any far like the truth, but I always, the pop culture in general has provided for me through the TV, the comfort that I really needed, that I couldn't find in the streets. And by, by the streets is not only like, I don't wanna be very specific to the streets of Jordan or to the streets of Palestine or any streets in general, but genuinely what you can see from the televisions, from the colors, from the cams, from the makeup, from the, 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 the over the top, everything. It's something I don't know. It just gives me some comfort that the hot normativity of our public spaces or the streets, it did not bring for me. So I feel like that was if I want to talk about my own experience, it was that one specific to the pop culture. But adding to this another layer of you're looking at it, you know, you're looking at it in a, from different perspectives, from different countries. So all of this, uh, I feel like it, it's really important because 
it represents, you know, like it represents queerness because pop culture did come in a time where class, like, you know, classic music or the other types of musics were, you know, were a bit super heteronormative in a way or another. And mm. pop culture came and a little bit queering the narrative. And I feel like, you know, with Eurovision, that is added another layer because Eurovision specifically has lots of messages since ever about peace, about love, and sometimes even though it comes in a super cringy way, but I still think it is really, you know, it's, there's emphasis on that, and that is also, again, it is an important space in a way or another to keep, you know, to give us hope as, as, as a queer people. Mm. And, I'm, you know, that's, I think, again, from my own perspective as well. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, with that in mind, I want to now bring the focus of the conversation to uh, events last year in the contest. Um, the EBU in 2022 decided that Russia would not be participating in the contest. Um, and I want to very quickly read the statement that the EBU um, released when that happened last year. The European Broadcasting Union has announced that no Russian act will participate in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. The executive board of the EBU made the decision following a recommendation earlier by the Eurovision Song Contest governing body, the reference group, based on the rules of the event and the values of the EBU. Though that was the, um, those were the first two paragraphs of um, the statement. The rest of the statement goes on to um, uh, state that the decision reflects uh, a concern that, and now I'm quoting, in light of the unprecedented crisis in Ukraine, the inclusion of a Russian entry in this year's contest would bring the competition into disrepute. Um, and that is the most explicit reference the statement makes to uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, now, I wanted to ask you as, you know, someone who is a, a fan of the show, as a Jordanian-Palestinian who is a fan of the show, um, what was your reaction last year when you read, when you saw this statement from the EBU? So thank you for this question. It is really important and critical because I had mixed reactions. It wasn't one. It was one after another after another. It was like first one was more like, oh, Europe again applies different standards and they pick and choose on where they want to apply their standards. And it's a very hypocritic thing to say, that is completely not okay in Russia and completely okay for Israel, right? And with that, you know, pick and choose and the hypocrisy of it, it was like one reaction to it. It was like, that is really a horrible thing. I personally would love to support an Israeli participant speaks about the apartheid. I would love to support an Israeli participant or singer it speaks about the occupation it speaks about the mandatory uh, military in, in, in the country and how this is in the, in, the, in the situation where this country is doing so many crimes against the human rights where this is, shouldn't be mandatory for the people to go and, you know, and, and follow the, the, such, a, such a regime 
in a way or another. Well, you don't see these artists. You see them just pink washing for Israel. You see the winner of uh, Eurovision saying, next year I'll see you in Jerusalem. And luckily, or not, I mean, with so much pressure as well, it didn't happen in Jerusalem, it happened in Tel Aviv. Mm. Because Jerusalem is an occupied land uh, mm. according to the international standards. But however, again, even these international standards that is put by uh, uh, United Nations it is really dominantly uh, dominated by Europeans and dominated by Westerns who support Israel. Yet, Eurovision, uh, uh, Eurovision broadcast, they don't even take this into consideration when it comes to the to the participation. So you have the the highest human rights spaces telling you that this is a land is of occupation. You have Amnesty International telling you this is an apartheid state and. You don't. You're not only not not banning the participants, but you hosted the Eurovision in Israel over the apartheid state. So you're completely giving them green lights on every single level. So you see what I'm talking about? Like it's a, a huge, you know, a huge differences here in the in the treatment. And yet, how can I think of that? Like these all reflections, only when I read the statements, these all reflections came like one after another, reaction after another. And I was completely, you know, in a, in a, not in a shock, but in a disappointment because it's every other year as a Palestinian, as someone who's ethnically Palestinian and who's being also, you know, like seeing a genocide after genocide for my people every, every year. Like literally I'm talking to you today after reading articles and seeing videos for the past 48 hours with the bombs being extremely, again, over Gaza, like, it is insane amount of shelling at the moment happening while we are talking, and an insane amount of people die every single day, and yet this is not something they take into consideration while, you know, like, in, in, in the way they they treat Israel. So this is really makes me every other year more disappointment by what what's so called democracy or what's so called, you know, the Western way of looking at democracy or even their own values. Because it in a way or another when I grow up I, I thought of these European values are, you know, the values that we are inspired inspired by or the values we want to have, especially when it comes to queer people and when it comes to the LGBT rights. But day after day, year after year, with my intersectionality as a Palestinian, I look at these values as, you know, you can't call them value mm. if they are applied on some and not on others. They are only values if they are not hypocritic. So if you have hypocritic values, I will not look at these values as my North Star or as my compass of what values looks like. Mm, mm, I mean, I'm sorry for the long answer. <laughs> no, <laughs> please. I mean, this is this is about what you have to say. Um, I, you know, I do. I, the only thing I am going to add to to the to what you said, which you know you you've spoken and you're speaking so eloquently, is um you know it is quite bizarre that um, European institutions are clearly so able to very quickly act to punish one genocide um, 
and while all the while for decades um, they have been turning a blind eye to another genocide um, yeah so I guess my the question that I would ask to you next is why do you think the European Broadcasting Union and other European institutions are unwilling to apply the same standards when it comes to Israel. I really ask myself this question, to be honest, more and more, you know, like, I, every time I need to think about it, I, I really think, like, why, and I, I, the question of why, and honestly, I want to say something here. When you look at what happened to Ukraine, and when you look at the past they gave to Israel, and when you look at the tone of skin that people being looked at as, you know, the ones who are the one you have empathy with, or the one you give them the path, etc., etc. You know, Europe was being accused a lot about, you know, the racism, right? Especially when it comes to dealing with refugees from Ukraine versus refugees from around the world. We are, as a Palestinians, looked as, you know, looked at as, you know, Arabs, we are the others. It, it has some kind of racist narrative. Does it have Orientalist narrative behind it? Do they look at us as a barbaric? Do they look at our blood as unworthy? It's really a lot behind that, you know, and um, you know we had we have we have this colonial history. We have a history with 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 the U.S. We have a history with many you know Western countries and European countries um, being in our lands and killing our people. And and that history is, if I want to count it, and 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 since since you know since the occupation of 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 of, of of the British um, in, 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 our, in our region. But um, in a way or another, I think this is continuation of what the colonial power used to do for us. This is, did not stop since then. So I think they're just doing the job for these colonial powers. And I think that's, that, that's it. Like, I don't see it any, any other way than it's a racism accompanied with you know what, we are as Europeans, we don't need to do the dirty work anymore by killing and shilling and stealing glands and, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So maybe we need to give the job for someone else who used to live among us and who used to be between us and who has our own language and our own, some of our own history. So I really don't know what, what, what is exactly behind it, but whatever it is, it's very dark, it's very, dirty and it is very much in a very dark side of the history you know it, it would be really backlash at certain point on, 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 on Europeans and I don't believe that I have hope in general with, uh, with the new generations in Europe I have hopes that our communications would be better through social media and through um, different platforms and we co can communicate better uh, as people with each other, you know, as a, as a Europeans and as a Palestinians. And the narrative is going to change and this current narrative that is associated with this colonial history, it will not be a winning card for people in power or for the Eurovision or for any institutions that has been discriminating 
against Palestinians that has anti-Palestinian narratives in the past 70 years. They're going to, you know, they, they, they will be completely a price for it. And I do see that in the very much near future. Inshallah. Um, where does this hypocrisy then leave queer Palestinians like yourself? Can you still feel a sense of belonging in the Eurovision space? So I want to be honest here and say, yes, I still somehow love to watch the show. I still somehow um, enjoy the drinks with the friends and watching and having the popcorn and having the gatherings and having this competition. But I do not see myself very much like Every time I watch it, I remember that Eurovision has banned the Palestinian flag to be raised among the other, uh, you know, among other nation states flags in, in Eurovision, which means that it's a very direct act of exclusion. It's a very direct act of uh, of discrimination against Palestinians. Um, so, in a way or another, when I see, you know, how it is looks like right now. You know, like I picked the one that was, of course, done in Israel, even though they brought Madonna. And I was like, okay, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to see it. But then, of course, I booked it. And now I wasn't like, I'm not as excited as it used to be to see it. And being Palestinian also, like, you're literally direct discrimination against you. So I'm like, mm, I don't think it has really has its own value anymore, you know. Do you wish to see Israel removed from the contest? Would that be would that would that serve a purpose for you? I I mean uh, to be honest, I am not sure. I um mostly yes because I don't want that winner if someone winning from Israel, I don't want it to be host in Israel. So for that outcomes, I would say no. But for the outcome of there is an Israeli participants would be having, as I said, conversation that is very strong against the occupation, against the apartheid, against so many issues that has Israel has with big issues and racism again you know inside inside the state itself like you know if they provide any of that content i would say yes they have added value but usually it is even you know sometimes like it's it's just a washing for the state you know it's just a washing and it just you know i don't i don't see the added value to, to it at this stage and i do wish yeah i do wish i don't see it actually i really wish i don't see it and I, you know, and I wish I don't see this association of Israel with Europe anymore. I don't think they should belong to all these institutions. Um, this country is a completely, you know, it's an it's an, an apartheid state, and it is doesn't need to be there. Period. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Do you see a pathway to Israel being banned from the contest? I I don't think so. I I think uh, Israel is um, 
I, I don't I don't really see that pathway. I see maybe some accountability for Eurovision. I see that I hope Eurovision would have more accountability in general on, on their double standards and their hypocrisy, etc. etc. But I really don't see no, I don't I don't see Israel as really being really a pathway for it outside of Eurovision. I don't uh, think it is yeah, I don't mm. think it's on the table anyway. Well, I want to finish on a lighter note. Um, and let's imagine a world where... Actually, I should probably ask you first. Would you want Palestine in the Eurovision con- Song Contest? Look, uh, honestly, um, representation matters. Mm. Okay? Uh, I do think representation matters. I do believe that... Wherever I watch an international competition, and, and especially like you know uh, the Eurovision um, uh, broadcast, uh, it includes uh, you know the Mediterranean countries as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and one of them is supposedly should be Israel, uh, should be Palestine, and not just Israel. But uh, yeah, I think I yeah when I was watching when I was younger when I was young, I always thought. I'd love to see Palestine represent, and and honestly, until now, mm. I would die for that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I would love to see that. I would love to see what we have as a Palestinians in terms of art, in terms of really beautiful art that you know that has intersections of resistance, occupation with the queerness, and uh, performed an art. It would be. We have a lot of examples. We have a lot of people would really show a very impressive case uh, mm. to Eurovision. Mm. And they need that platform. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then. So if you had the power to choose an artist and a song to represent Palestine in this year's contest, who would it be and which song would you choose? Okay, <laughs> this is really a great question because when I listen to the song, I think of Eurovision. So the song, uh, the singer called um, uh, Bashar, uh, sorry, it's called Bashar Murad, and uh, it's a Palestinian uh, openly queer uh, singer. And uh, the song called Anten, Anten, which means a signal, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I don't know if it's an Arabic or it's a broad Latin language and we use it. So signal means anten. And this is a song about a person who is living under occupation and have to deal with it every single day. But tonight, he decided to turn off the signals <laughs> and just have fun, you know? Mm. And Which means the signal of like bringing all this life and the struggles or like, you know, we refer to it in terms like when I say I want to switch off my signals means yeah. I don't want to talk about anything. I just do want to do nothing but have fun. And when I watch Eurovision, as much as I, you know, I am 24 hours Palestinian for sure. But sometimes I'm like, can I turn off the signal and just enjoy the show for <laughs> <laughs> these two hours? Because I really don't want to watch it while thinking that, you know, this is politically incorrect and this is not fine and what's happening is not okay and stuff so maybe let me just have fun have drinks and just switch off my antenna 
and enjoy that evening. And the song is about, you know, is about life and how hard it is and how occupation is horrible. But however, we need sometimes to switch off and have a drink and have fun. That's it. To survive. You have to send me the link to that song afterwards. I have to send it to you. Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I will. Definitely, I will. <laughs> Hassan, thank you so, so much for giving us your time today. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you so much, really, for hosting me. And thank you so much for the conversation and for these questions. I really appreciate all of them. I really appreciate you and, and working with you and knowing you and genuinely knowing how great you are, I, I genuinely think this uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate every time we talk, every time we, we, we get, you know, to, to, to write articles with each other, to, to have a conversation. So thank you so much. Oh, Hassan, I love you. As always, thank you to our listeners for your continued support. Don't forget to subscribe to The Scroll podcast on Spotify so you don't miss our future episodes. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Scroll Online to keep up to date with our latest content. I'm Giorgio Constandi. This is The Scroll. Until next time.